Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus O'Carroll in Chicago. You can see the creative work associated with this and all of our episodes on our website. And also you can connect with all of our guests at onstrategyshowcase.com. So over the summer, I've been really enjoying doing a sort of virtual or in-person events, kind of a mix of both for agencies and clients around the world. And it's been really fun. And I've um, just sort of realized how much I've missed doing these sorts of uh, virtual and in-person events. What we do is we we look at the inspiration that comes from great work. We talk about what strategists and clients have learned from each of the episodes we've done. We talk about their approach to planning and how to apply it to what you do on a day-to-day basis. And what we do is we, we use clips from the show. We talk about creative strategy examples and the strategy unlocks from marketers we featured in all of our episodes. Then we dig into all of that. Um, it's 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 great that we've produced almost, uh, I think it's coming up on 160 shows so far, featuring, featuring sort of the best brands and many just of the smartest people uh, in, in most categories. So there's much to be learned, uh, a lot to be shared, and an awful lot to be built upon. So if you're interested in this sort of a thing, do reach out to me. I can share some more information about them. Uh, you can reach me at hello at onstrategyshowcase.com. Now, uh, let's talk about McDonald's new global work. Here's a clip from today's show. Once this became something that was really clear, its success was working for the brand in the U.S., really the the, the next big thing that we worked on with the brand, both both in the U.S. and globally, was how do we not overlap on ourselves? Because I think we saw very quickly this could easily be a step and repeat thing and and our fans much like you know our creative teams they get bored really quickly when something feels tired or feels the same that's brandon pratt he and tess Testopoulos join me to talk about the latest global campaign that's launching this month it's called as featured in now it's august of of 2023 as i record this and it's rolling out across 100 markets now, this time, it's not about one person's famous order, but about McDonald's itself being a famous order. So here are Brandon Pratt, Global Managing Director for McDonald's at Wyden & Kennedy, New York, and Tass Testopoulos, Group Strategy Director at Wyden & New York. Enjoy. We'll be right back after this message. Hi there, my name's James Herman and I'm what's known as a distinctive asset, which is something that makes people think immediately of a certain brand, like the Golden Arches make people think of McDonald's or the Swoosh makes people think of Nike. When the most effective marketing and advertising people hear me, they think of the Master of Advertising Effectiveness brand. The Master of Advertising Effectiveness is a six-week online program in partnership with Walk where I'll give you a next-level understanding of how to make advertising that creates consistently better commercial results. One important ingredient is distinctive assets, like me. And me being here on this ad is one of the many reasons this campaign is the most effective advertising campaign in the world. Confused? You won't be when you become a master of advertising effectiveness. Get started at mae.academy. That's mae.academy. So uh, new work is launching for McDonald's, and it's always great to have this team back on. Um, And when I say team, the team is structured a little bit differently today because we have, for the very first time in this show, we've had 152 or 153 episodes. And for the very first time, we have an account lead on the show. 
And it is actually, it was supposed, this was supposed to happen on a different episode with uh, a a case study out of Australia. We were doing something on avocados and we had an account lead lined up there, but they had to reschedule. So they've lost the honor, Brandon, of being the first one. So Brandon Pratt is the first account person ever on this show. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you very much. Um, You've given me maybe one claim to fame over Dave Lure that I can use at a dinner table someday. And um, yes. I hope there's a, I hope there's a suit jacket in the rafters somewhere for me. There is something, there will be something, <laughs> we will do something. It may just be virtual, but it'll happen. And of course, welcome back again to Tass Testopoulos, who we all know from uh, Wyden and Kennedy also. Thank you. Good to be back, Fergus. I'm very pleased that Avocado's loss is uh, Brandon's gain. So that's yes. Awesome. Yes. And then uh, I, I'm excited that we got to do this too. So uh, here we are to talk about the the latest and greatest from McDonald's. And for those of you who are listening to the show, we have, I think we've done three or four shows at McDonald's because we've done a couple of shows with Leo Burnett out of London, looking back at uh, many years of work that they've done with the brand. And we've done work, of course, with Tess and and here in the U here in the U.S. And, and we did also Australia or New Zealand. I think we did one also. So it's been it's been around the world, and it's always been a, a great conversation. So I thought what we could do is uh, I wanted to make one little observation, and this is this is a sort of a, a criticism of myself. When um, I remember when account planning first became big in the United States, I used to say that. Um, that account that account planning is needed because of the weaknesses of account leads and i've learned through experience and wisdom ever since that that it's actually the opposite is that account planning exists because of the strength of account leads and i wanted to say that given the fact that this is the first time i have an account person on a great account lead makes it possible for a planner to do his or her job so uh, I think it's important to realize that because we don't give uh, account management enough of a credit on many of the shows on strategy and creativity in this industry, and it is ridiculous. I've always felt bad about that, and uh, but I never acti- acted on it until today. So we're going to do more of this, um, and we're going to do it because it's important to do because no one department owns anything. And so today is um, going to be a recognition of that. So absolutely no pressure is on Brandon to perform at a world-class level. (laughs) You'll see just how much I lean on TAS to get all of those important points through. So I was going to say that point you made, folks, is very true of Pratt, but that's the last bit of buttering up I'm going to do. Indeed. (laughs) So TAS, what do you want from Brandon as, as the lead planner on this piece of business? What do you want him to be taking care of? What's his role for you? I mean, again, like, like well, first of all, uh, just partnership. You know, Br- Br- Brandon is just an exceptional partner. Like, you never feel like, uh, you know, he's sort of saying, right, you know, you do it this way, or do it my way, you do it. You know, I've, I've been told in the past, not naming any names, um, but when I when I came to America, I've not, I'm, I'm close to closing 10 years. excuse me, I'm close to closing 10 years in September. And in those early years, I got told by account director, why did you email the client? They're my client, not your client. You you need to get close to the research people. And I went, what do you mean? What do you mean they're your client, not my, like there are clients, like they're just clients and we're all in it together, aren't we? No, 
and that and you know and and I and I felt God is this how it is in America right like maybe that was just uh you know that that person that specific person but but from day one you know Brandon with all the um you know track record he has he's never um possessive about client relationship so for you coming coming up Brandon do you do you would you would you describe yourself as somebody that was super passionate about a particular aspect of of this industry and plugged yourself into it or are you somebody who just uh, might describe themselves differently because because account people um can feel like many planners do which is they they feel like they're frustrated creatives in in their in their in their heart they feel like they're planners they feel like they can multitask um how would you describe yourself because you've obviously become enormously successful on a massive brand in one of the world's best creative shops well without going too much of a deep dive into my history i i, I will say I, I think i've known what i wanted to do since i think the 10th grade i had an english teacher in 10th grade that knew um my limitations as a student and um, <laughs> instead of instead of giving me a quiz um on a book we were reading he asked me to moderate a debate in the room um that's awesome and, and something i just really took to and, and did really well and um we we had a long chat after that we we just we were we had kind of bonded and he told me he was a, he was um brian meltzner is his name and he uh he was a um former ad exec and I remember he told me you know he what he, he up in new york working at ken erickson he just told me about that business and and he was just like i'm telling you i don't know what part of it you'll be in but that's where you belong so uh, let's start off by uh, let's start off task by talking about. Um, I, I think it's important to sort of go back a little bit before we go forward. So let's briefly revisit where you've been uh, over the last couple of years and where the brand strategy came from. Absolutely, um, and I guess this is for those that didn't listen to our last episode. You, it's well, still, yeah, there. still, so still should, summarize it very briefly. Should listen to it. I'm just saying, a little plug for that episode. Very good one. But um, no, uh, for, uh, just give a little bit of a background. So you know, our brand strategy is centered around what we call fan truths. Um, you know, moments, memories, rituals, behaviors that bring together our fans and our brand. So everything we do starts with a fan truth, right? Whether we're talking about the food, the experience, a value uh, add. Or driving brand relevance, and that's the that's the one we're going to talk about deeper today. It's always rooted in a fan truth, and it's delivered in a voice that's fan to fan. Um, and, and what that helps us do is it it helps us see the brand through the eyes of our fans, and show the brand through the same eyes. Um, and again, in the work we've done, you, you see that come across. You know, we we feel very much co ownership of this brand uh, with fans, and we're very relaxed about sharing it and and you know sharing the pen we, we talk a lot about. So. So that, that that's a sort of broad overview of of, of how we approach um, the sort of strategic foundation. But but one thing I want to point out there before we we move on though is that what always struck me was the the big unlock for me from our first episode was when you said no matter how big or famous you are, everyone has a McDonald's order. I mean that is a, that is a truth given the fact that McDonald's is is so ubiquitous across the u.s no matter who you are you have been to a mcdonald's and you have ordered something maybe you're not there now but you've been there in the past right yeah absolutely that that's the the fan truth um at the heart of our famous orders platform and that and that's the 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 first big 
uh, brand platform that we created, um, uh, which which you know which, which people will have seen. So so again, the the work we're going to talk about today is is kind of an evolution or an offshoot of that same truth. Um, that again, like you say, Fergus, the scale of this brand, the the real democratic nature of this brand is uh, is second to none, really. So, um, when you when you think about those early days, Brandon, what are some of the highlights for you in sort of the the development of that brand strategy? Is there anything that sort of uh, still sort of sticks in your mind? Sure, I think I mean broadly speaking about the strategy as a whole is it's so rich that the really hard part of each strategic effort is, is sort of done. You know, each effort of brief, we want the same thing from our fans. We want them to see themselves in the work, no matter how big or broad the insight might be about just wanting them to understand something about a particular product, or if it's very specific about a specific type of fan behavior, which the, the richness of that really makes the specificity of any real brief about a specific thing we want to do so much fun and freeing to dive into. And I think, you know, when I think about highlights to personally, for me, it's the really small moments um, that had us feeling like what we were doing was starting to resonate in, in culture. I remember a video coming out with, uh, with someone stealing our Travis Scott point of sale poster, um, yeah, you know, yeah. just, you know, uh, or people pulling up to the drive through and just playing uh, sicko mode to order the meal. Uh, instead of putting in the order and having you know the crew member uh, know exactly what they meant, it sort of made everyone feel like it was less about what we were trying to tell them to do, like what our specific message was, but we were starting to see the fans make it their own and take it and run with it, which is really the thing that you just only pray will happen when you throw work out into the world is that people will care and make something of it. And I, I think once we started to see fans doing that, which has now subsequently happened with nearly each of our campaigns, at least the ones that have really resonated. That's the thing that I think made us feel like we were onto something and that culture was actually ready for us to do these things. So Tess, right. what about, what I, about I, for you? Yeah. Highlights for you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to uh, build on what Pratt was saying. Like for most people, he's Pratt. Uh, so we're going to switch between Pratt and Brandon, but um, you know, it, it, like, like he was saying, like when you see real people, especially young people take a campaign we've done, and then like fan art for me is one of the most uh, meaningful and powerful kind of KPIs to see, you know, with a campaign. When we see fan art, whether it's for some of the famous orders, right? Like Travis Scott, you saw it there. Or when you see uh, Cactus Plant, the uh, young people made animations with the, with the so, so, sorry, for those that don't know, Cactus Plant, we did an adult Happy Meal, right? So it's to, to the fan truth that you're never too old to enjoy Happy Meal, we gave collectible figurines and merch from streetwear brand Cactus Plant Flea Market. Um, in effect, the kind of things that adults would love to find in a in a box, in the way that you know kids like to find uh, different things. Um, and they were and, and young adults went crazy for it. And you saw like they took the figures and they did you know stop motion animation. They they did illustrations. It, you know when you see that with BTS meal, when you saw people took our packaging and, and used it like a textile to make anything from sneakers to uh stationery to <laughs> clothes so you know when you see that you know I, we, we always like to say do real people care will re real people care um and and that is evidence for us that the real people get what did you learn from all of that 
early work and those observations that did it change how you went to market this time with this campaign? I would say that every time we go to market, we learn a little bit from what's been successful in the past. So, so you know, I think the one that Pratt mentioned, we saw with Travis Scott, people stole the point of sale posters. Um, that was unintentional. We did not design them for stealing, but now we design them for stealing. So, you know, every every little tactic, every little piece of uh, comms is an opportunity to to, to 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 interact with our fans in some way. So, so yeah, we do learn. We, we try and sort of give them the tools. We tap into um, parts of culture, you know, whether it's meme culture in social, with the campaign in order to, again, just give people the tools to make it their own. I, I mentioned Share the Pen earlier. It's like you put those pieces out there and then you hope that people will, will pick them up. Lots of other people, lots of other QSR brands started to copy quite literally with little tweaks on it, maybe what you guys were doing. And, and, you know, most recently it's Post Malone with Raising Cane's Chicken. What impact does that have on you guys as you, um, and what impact do you think it has on the category? And is that part of why you wanted to evolve? We have seen um, the the other versions of this in market. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, is once this became something that was really clear, its success was working for the brand in the U.S., really the the, the next big thing that we worked on with the brand, both, both in the U.S. and globally, was how do we not overlap on ourselves? Because I think we saw very quickly this could easily be a step and repeat thing, and, and our fans much like you know our creative teams they get bored really quickly when something feels tired or feels the same and, and you know we've done now 20 meals in over 50 countries uh with with our partner agencies across the globe in the McDonald's network um and they've been really purposeful to try to not bring the same the same thing that looks just like the last one um so we we really because of the size and scale of what this has become to the McDonald's business globally we've actually just really focused more on how do we not uh, keep keep iterating on ourselves and making it the exact same thing uh, and, and, but without really worrying about where it sits in the market competitively because we feel like we have such a unique relationship with our fans that we don't have to really compare ourselves. We really can, can do enough of that work on, on changing it ourselves. Let's jump into what this new evolution is, this new expression is. So the way you guys talk about it, your brand strategy is fan truths. And then you have various brand platforms that you feel sort of ex ex are, are expressions of fan truths. You've talked about some of them so far. What is uh, what's at the heart of this new expression? Each one of these, uh, you know, be it a platform, um, and especially the the individual efforts that we've done around famous orders, they've they've all had some sort of spin um, or idea to kind of make them feel evolved. And really, kind of what we had talked about before, it had a lot to do with what we asked of our fans to do. You know, how how would they see themselves in it? I think um, for for Travis, it was to establish this idea in a way that the entire, entire country could finally do something at the same time, you know, where we were at that point in, in the pandemic and have the same thing that Travis had since he was a child back in, in Houston. For BTS, like Tess said, it was the expectation of what we wanted them to do with, with the packaging. You know, we turned over the packaging to fans to create all kinds of things. We would see videos of people washing it and hanging it on lines and, and, and really caring about the thing they were going to create. For Sweetie, 
it was asking fans to hack the menu with all the ingredients that she had in her meal. For 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 this one, it, it actually for as featured in it, it actually comes from the exact same insight. The idea of the brand's role in culture really drives everything. This particular insight of how we've been organically featured in so many TV and films over the years, in some ways, kind of did our job for us. It was true, which is crucial, and it's always done with a purpose. When you see Rolex or Harley Davidson, Red Bull, in any you know high end fashion brands, um, they all have a purpose in those films of defining a character or the world that they live in or their their values. When McDonald's is featured in something like this in a TV or a film or, or really anything, a song, I think it's done to humanize. You know, if it's someone big and famous that chooses McDonald's or a family or a group of teenagers, a superhero or or Logan Roy at the end of a, a day of running the world. It's done to bring everyone to a place that helps them read that they are just like you and me without having to really try hard to do so. It's a cheat code for that. And I think that we're really happy to embrace. It's the same insight that Striven Famous Sorters since its inception, no matter how big or famous you are. And broadly, that's really the fan truth strategy as a whole. I'm also curious about the fact that you've used characters from the past and shows and movies uh, and from the from the present are we why that range was there a, a, a strategic decision or a creative decision around why you needed that breath that 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 was absolutely intentional um again i i think i saw i was reading a post from uh one of our clients jen Debecchio. shout out to jen uh but she she was writing around the campaign and she talked about timely and timeless and that was a that was a important component of this right like there's a lot of nostalgia in there with these timeless shows that shows the strength and the how big this brand is. But also you want to make it timely as well. You know, want to have some more recent examples that we're always, you know, our, our sort of design target is always um, uh, young adults. And so um, that's very intentional. You know, you have a lot of stuff from the past, but then Loki technically isn't even in the present. It's in the future. It hasn't even come out yet. So that people are getting a sneak peek there that the brand is actually going to be featured uh, in in the latest Marvel uh, show. Let's explain uh, for those who may not have seen this latest campaign. What is at the heart of as featured in? Right. So exactly building on what Pratt was saying, um, the, the campaign is called as featured in, uh, and the, you know the, the sort of the twist on the famous orders fan truth is that. McDonald's is famously ordered, right? In this, in this one, uh, in this case, um, because the brand is really a universal language across culture and time. You know, M McDonald's has always been that great leveler, that great democratizer. That that's why famous orders with Travis Scott and BTS and Sweet etc. is so powerful. Um, but there's also something really powerful when you see it featured in popular culture, exactly like like Pratt was saying. Um, and, you know, again, th there's a reason um, that the screenwriter or director chose McDonald's in that moment. Um, however different the viewer might be, a you know, it makes that scene a little bit more familiar and, and relatable. Um, and again, something a few brands could say or do. So so as featured in uh, is one of those almost we talk a lot about sort of stupid, simple, um, uh, you know, expressions or ideas at, at Widen and 
it, it's it's yeah it, it was the best articulation of this idea you know mcdonald's as featured in all these different um uh, uh parts of culture and, and and what's cool as well is that 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 drills down to the packaging as well so you know the the mcdonald's bag as featured in the mcdonald's cup as featured in like um you can get that granular uh with this brand because the the the, the occasions that it, it's appeared in culture is so is so numerous so just for the, for somebody who's living um, in some place in the world that doesn't have the internet but can ironically get a podcast what what we're basically dealing with here is a series of clips from famous movies or television shows or moments in culture over what feels like the last 30 to 40 years the the one like even back to the 80s with coming to america with eddie murphy and um and then all the way up to today with which what's going to be launching which i think is the season two of loki on disney plus so you've got that range of these clips and clips from seinfeld from all these very popular tv shows and movies and what you're seeing is you're you're seeing the mention of mcdonald's uh, throughout signaling uh its presence throughout time with all of these various characters and all in in popular culture Hello, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? Quarter pounder with cheese. Royal with cheese. I've been exceedingly fond of McNuggets of chicken. I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time. Get on my flurry. In Puerto Rico, a McFlurry, it's called a Señor Flurry. How many filet fishes did you eat? That's over several months, Ryan. Two golden menus. Great up, Mama. And uh, last but not least, the wonderful crew of McDonald's. McDonald's? McDonald's. They're McDonald's. I'm McDonald's. Are you going to order something? Oh. And now here we are, enjoying a meal like gentlemen. You slapped me in the face. I'm not going to get you a shake. Okay. So Tess, you know, I, I'm I'm struck as I'm sitting here thinking about it, looking at my notes in front of me, and I'm thinking, why does this feel so huge? It it feels so cinematic. It feels like it is a massive in, endeavor here, in a good way, like in a famous way. It just feels like really big and important. But it's just a string of clips, beautifully crafted together. What is it that's making it feel so? um so powerful oh that's a great question so first of all fergus i mean it, it is huge like this is uh, i think this is correct because i've seen some of my clients uh say it on on linkedin so it must be true this is i think the biggest campaign mcdonald's has ever run if not the biggest then it's definitely one of the biggest it, it's running in a hundred markets uh more or less at the same time uh with a few weeks you know people have staggered slightly staggered launches so 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 scale that way uh, for sure, but then you know scale in the creative as well, right? Like uh, we we talk a lot about you know within the brand relevance pil pillar, we talk about um, making the ideas that make the brand feel big and pervasive in culture, right? Like um, famous orders was was a big example of that. Um, well, this campaign is about as close to the articulation of that as you can get, right? Like uh the it, it's it's just the brand is big in culture in general right not one celebrity and their order 
not one partnership with a a specific brand, but but just the brand featuring in culture. Um, yeah. There was a post I was reading this morning. Um, you know, I'm fans of what the guys at System One do when they, uh, you know, they use their um, testing to, to 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 sort of get a read on on ads that have just launched. We would never say this, right? But 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 they said, you know, it looks expensive. You know, big actors, big films, big shows. Um, you know, subconsciously show McDonald's as a brand doing well and that people want to buy brands that are doing well. So I thought that was very interesting. You know, again, we would never talk in that language because we'd, we'd feel cringy talking about like that about ourselves. But but I think there's real truth in that, right? It's like, that's why this idea feels so big. It's it's some of the biggest um, movies and TV shows over the years, you know. And, and again, you know, with every idea... Uh, you know, you see the personal residence, right? You, you know, do real people care? Like, is there a part of me that thinks McDonald's is a, is a little bit cooler because I saw it 30 years ago or 25 years ago, you know, in a futuristic dystopia, uh, you know, the, the fifth element, like on giant screens with flying cars? Yes, it is. You know, when Richie Rich opened those doors and, and we were all uh, watched that and said, this is the coolest kid in the world. Like, like those things create lasting impressions, and so when you when you bring them together and the brand and the brand sort of plays them back to people, uh, there's something there's something pretty powerful there. Let's talk about um, as featured in in terms of how it's rolling out. What can we expect to see over the next few weeks? So um, we we always try and align our com strategy with whatever the creative theme of the campaign is. Uh, e.g. when we did the BTS meal, it was take a page out of the K-pop playbook. The comms team in this one, you know, Caleb, Ellie and Sam, um, their their comms strategy was act like an entertainment studio. Which when act, you hear act, it, you can, act like an entertainment studio. Act like an entertainment studio, right? Which which you can imagine the team had a lot of fun with, right? So we, we wanted to embrace our show business DNA. Uh, Ray Kroc, actually, the, the founder of McDonald's, used to say, we're not in the hamburger business, we're in show business. You know, so it's so it's in the brand's genes. Um, and so we wanted to take cues from different parts of the entertainment industry, such as film promotion, album releases, fashion collab drops, to inform how we uh, activate this campaign. And and so we started teasing the campaign last week. Again, not sure when this will, this will run, but, um, uh, you know, early August, we start teasing campaign. With some of the references used in the creative, maybe a clip or an image like the Richie Rich image, the the McDowell's billboard image, the flying cars flying past the huge McDonald's billboard in the fifth element image. Um, so we teased all these images and we also teased um, a couple of the more in-depth partnerships. So Marvel's Loki, we've mentioned already. And then there's also uh, an awesome partnership with the skate brand Palace. Um, uh, this, you know, in the teaser clip was a blink and you'll miss it um, reference, the McDonald's Golden Arches with Palace underneath, featured in that spot for half a second. And it was amazing to see, you know, how things happen. Like we hadn't properly PR'd it. People hadn't seen it initially. And then you see some comments pick up, go, hang on, was that a Palace logo in the teaser? And then, you know, I remember Googling Palace McDonald's on day one and it was someone talking about having McDonald's on the way to the Buckingham Palace. And then by day two, <laughs> there were, you know, the internet was full of Palace times and McDonald's collapse. So, it, you know, it's kind of fun seeing how those ideas sneak out, uh, you know, in, in real time. 
Um, and then there's there's Loki uh, season two is launching in September. Again, not going to give any away any spoilers, uh, or, or I will probably be arrested. Um, but McDonald's features within the storyline, uh, and so we're able to use real footage from the show in our comms and surprise our fans who are also Mar- Marvel fans. Um, and the campaign includes a limited edition rebadging of our sweet and sour sauce with Loki branding because the show includes reference to the source. And then if you scan the source lid with Snapchat, it unlocks an immersive experience and you can see teaser content, um, et cetera, which will update over the four weeks of the campaign. So is there an, an as featured in meal? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's at the heart of the, of the, of the way you can take part in this. So um, the as featured in meal is again, featured on, on a lot of the comms, uh, and in our uh, restaurant environments, um, you buy the meal, uh, you can choose the entree, uh, you get the packaging, which is branded in the as featured in, you know, the cup as featured in property X, Y, Z, etc. Uh, the bag itself, um, you can choose an entree, the Big Mac, the quarter pound. We didn't want to limit, it didn't felt, didn't make sense to limit it to a specific product because it's not someone's order. It's not, you know, quarter, uh, Travis Scott gets the quarter pounder. But this is the brand and the products are featured throughout culture. So so they're all there. And then the sweet and sour sauce with a special lid that's scannable is in the thing. And then all the packaging features a QR code, which then unlocks um, merch, uh, unlocks the partnership with Palace. So I I think one thing I would add to that, Fergus, is that the the packaging, I think, is a specific note that it's, you know, it's dumb, simple simplicity. You could look at it and probably imagine that the first time we shared it, there was a long silence <laughs> in the room because, <laughs> you know, it's it's literally says the bag, the McDonald's bag, the McDonald's cup, you know, the Big Mac box. And then each one of those things says as featured in and then the list of properties that that bag is featured in. So like, you know, when when Carrie Bradshaw holds up the McDonald's bag, you know, that's some that's a spot, uh, you know, a part, a, a piece in time when that was shown in a piece of culture. And um, that took everyone a minute to get around to understand the power and simplicity of a very clean design and a very simple message. But um, I think once everyone understood that that was the power in the statement was not having to go too crazy about describing it, that sort of helped everyone understand the power of the idea that you don't need to go too far. Let it speak for itself because the bag was the hero. The box was the hero. The food was the hero. And so I noticed on the on the packaging, um, it lists, as you said, uh, Brandon, you know, as featured in, and it lists all the shows and the movies and the iconic moments. What do you want people to do with the packaging? It feels like it it's asking me to do something or it allows me to do something. Is there anything I can do with the packaging? Oh, yeah. So, you know, you scan it. There's a, there's a QR code on there that you scan and it lets you go super deep into all of the properties of the things that are featured on. So all the ones that you'll see on the packaging, but others nice. that that we couldn't get on there as well. You see a timeline um, of, of how they've all how they've all been there. And then, of course, as Tess mentioned too, there's a um, a link there where you get, after you scan the packaging, where you can get the Palace merch, which is a really clean experience, um, super easy, and, and the merch is really cool, as, as Palace always does. So Tess, there, I've seen the, I've seen the sort of the opening uh, film. Um, what, what happens next is there that you can talk about is it going to be shorter format spots is it going to be chopped up for social what what do you 
what's happening next? You mentioned the launch, obviously, of uh, of Loki coming in October. But is there anything? What's happening with with uh, a sort of a stage two or step two of the rollout of the creative work? Um, so again, depending when people li- listen to this or see it, or when when it's cu- happening in your market, because again, with a hundred markets. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will most likely be able to uh, get this meal in your market, which is awesome. Um, that's that's not usually the case. Uh, so yeah, you've seen some of the teaser, then the, the full sixty second hero film, um, which we can we can give you to to feature on the website, um, is the one that has the most sort of selection of clips. Um, and then what was really fun as well, you know, within different media channels. For example, on paid uh, TV, you might see a more product. You, you might see a 30-second cut down of the sort of brand film, or you might see more product. And even the product ones are fun. So, again, because we're spoilt with riches in terms of what clips the team could find, and, again, uh, credit to the creative talent of, of the creative team, you know, Sean and Lauren. But, but you know, when you want to promote the Big Mac within the meal, um, the hero of that clip is... Uh, that disastrous date for any Seinfeld fans out there that George Costanza has, and his date tells him, "I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time. I'm not going. I'm not going to do the accent, the very Long Island accent." <laughs> right. Um, but you know, I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time, and then it goes, "The Big Mac as featured in, you know, Seinfeld." Yeah, it's really interesting to me because there's something to be said about the role of nostalgic content or or of or of content from the past movies from the past shows from the past that is bubbling up in culture now in, in ways that are that that's playing a particular role for people it's comforting it's familiar uh, it's nostalgic it's all of those things that i think parts of this campaign play beautifully into we've got we've had barbie we've had things that have been going on with stranger things it seems like it still works really well test to be able to to make a connection with people in a very positive way for the brand and for the moment. Yeah. I mean, just those three attributes you used comforting, familiar, nostalgic, they, they could be attributes for McDonald's, right? So it, it's no surprise that we as a brand have tapped into nostalgia quite, quite a lot um, recently, but we always try and uh, balance, you know, nostalgia looking back with sort of reinterpreting something and looking forwards um i think that we, we call it future nostalgia but again it's it's just the the the, the you know or, or what we said earlier about timely and timeless so you know you you, you never want to just be sepia toned and and look back you want to do something that's interesting and relevant um to to people now again it, it's it's only when you have um brave clients um you know uh people like again J- jj who you're familiar with uh uh, we did the the episode before, um, and all the clients at McDonald's I mentioned, Jen uh, on the global team. You know, it's only when you have brave clients that are able to to embrace uh, how culture has embraced them and 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 feel comfortable. You know, because working in a big corporation does create a tendency to want to control things, um, but when you let go of a bit of that control, you see that the 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 the, the people uh, reward you for it, and so um, I think that's. That's been a huge part of this and and, and and very meaningful. It is Tass Testopoulos, Global Strategy Director, Wyden & Kennedy, New York, and Brandon Pratt, Global Managing Director, McDonald's at Wyden & Kennedy, New York. Um, you did great, Brandon. 
awesome debut of an account lead on our show. All future account uh, representatives on this uh, podcast, <laughs> please just mention my name. That's all. That'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you both, guys. Great having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Fergus. And we'll see everyone on the next episode.